The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. There came to Jesus some Sadducees who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. The second and the third took her, and likewise all seven left no children and died. Afterward, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are accounted worthy to attain to the age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot die any more, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed. In the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. The Gospel of the Lord. So we have celebrated the uh, solemnity, obviously, of all saints. We've also celebrated where we have the feast of the holy souls, where we have prayed for the holy souls. And now in our gospel today and in the readings for today, we deal with the central pinnacle, if you would, the foundation of what makes the good news the good news, which is the resurrection from the dead. That central proclamation that Christ made that he made not only when preaching and speaking about the Eucharist and the, the link that there is between the Eucharist and the resurrection of our own bodies, but also then in his resurrection, in the Paschal mystery, that he is truly raised from the dead, and in that we place our hope. St. Paul, in his writings, says that if there is no resurrection, then we are the most pitiable of people re-emphasizing the fact that the belief in the resurrection is central to our faith. And so the Sadducees are coming to Christ, and they did not believe in the resurrection. Uh, Matthew has this account, if you will, uh, when the Lord has entered into Jerusalem, and he is being bombarded by both the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they are coming to him one after another. It says going away from him or coming towards him, if you will, kind of bouncing off of Christ as they come to try and catch Christ out. Meanwhile, what he does with every one of their attempts is he confounds them with his wisdom because he is the word of God. And so what happens in Matthew's account just before this is the Pharisees have come and they have dealt with something that is very earthly, which was the paying of taxes to Caesar. Is it right to pay that tribute? 
And the Lord culminates his response in that wonderful reality of the image of God in man. He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. He turns what is a very feeble attempt to trap him into a beautiful manifestation of the reality of the fact that we bear God's image within us, that we are made in his image and likeness. His wisdom is completely confounding. And at the same time, you can see that while they hate him, they are also drawn to him. They cannot avoid him. They keep coming back in attempts to try and outsmart him, but his wisdom is made manifest in his words because he is wisdom himself. Now the Sadducees come not with something that is too earthly, but with a disbelief in the resurrection. And so they come to him in an attempt to try and catch him out as well, or to embarrass him, or to make his preaching seem ridiculous. And so what they do is quite a common trick of those who hold something fanatically and try to argue for that point, not because they want to know the truth, but simply because they want to do whatever it is that they want to do. And so you see the same attempt made even nowadays with particular moral issues, where people will argue against the moral teachings of the church by giving ridiculous particular circumstances that might occur possibly at some point in some time, and then say, would you apply that to that particular circumstance? And then when you say no, then they say, well, then how can you believe that? As if it was completely ridiculous. Meanwhile, the situation that is presented is what is ridiculous. And so that is what they're trying to do. They come with a completely ridiculous situation to the Lord. And then when he would answer, they would hope to then say, well, there you go. How can you believe in the resurrection? The other tragedy here is that they try to use Scripture to bolster their own erroneous opinion. They have a particular prejudice that they want the Scriptures not to inform them according to right thinking, but they simply want to use the Scriptures to, as if that was then the authority that then they could stand on to hold this erroneous opinion. And so they turn to Moses, and they give a principle from Scripture from Moses, and then they begin to make it ridiculous. And then they turn to him as if they are genuinely trying to seek understanding, but meanwhile they are only trying to catch him. And they say, therefore, whose wife will the woman be if there is this resurrection from the dead? And the Lord, he simply turns back to them, and he gives again, he shows, he breaks apart their argument. He shows that they have not understood the resurrection. They have not understood it according to how Scripture reveals it. They think of the resurrection simply as a continuation of life as we know it, that we die and we come back to life exactly in the same way that we are, and then we continue along that road in the same way that we are. And he shows that the resurrection is as different from this life as waking up is from a dream. The resurrection and the life with God for eternity is reality. In this life, we are still behind a veil. We don't see things yet as they truly are. The resurrection is also sourced in the God who is life himself. What they do is they speak about the raising up of children. If you look at the Greek in this text, it's very interesting because the word for resurrection comes up repeatedly either as a noun describing the resurrection or as a verb to raise up. 
When the Sadducees use the word, they speak of raising up children, the earthly, temporal, the giving life or giving new life. And they attribute that to that power is in man, but not in God. And so their error is that they think that God is unable to do something that they perceive themselves able to do, which is to give life. And yet the God that they worship is the God of life. The God that we worship is life himself. He is that source of life. And so they have not understood the resurrection. And so the Lord goes for a description of what the resurrection is and that it is not centered on the marriage between persons. But as we know it from the book of Revelation, the resurrection is then fulfilled in a marriage between Christ and his bride, the church. It is not a marriage between other individuals, but a marriage as a whole, as we are then united with the bridegroom, Christ himself. Then the Lord goes back and he shows how they have misunderstood Moses, but how they have also taken a scripture passage out of context. That is one of the worst ways that we can misuse scripture, is to take one individual instance or one individual scene or one individual saying and then try to use that to bolster our erroneous opinions instead of reading it in the context of the whole. In Matthew's account, the Lord turns and he rebukes them and he says, you are wrong, you err, because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. They err because they misuse the scriptures, but they do not know them. And so in conclusion, what we are called to is that we do not fall into that same grouping where we could also be accused by Christ of not knowing the scriptures nor of knowing God or the power of God. As St. Jerome says, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Therefore, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of God. And so it is for us to be immersed in the Scriptures, not simply in little parts of the Scriptures, but in the Scriptures in their entirety, to read them according to that developing tradition within the Church as the Church teaches the full understanding of the Scriptures, which is manifest in the doctrines and the dogmas of the church, and that we hold all of the, to all of these things with faith, but first and fundamentally, the faith in the resurrection, the resurrection which is our hope. And so we are called to that deep immersion of our minds and our lives in the scriptures, and that we live the scriptures. But also for the resurrection, it requires that we have a union with Christ in the Eucharist, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, my life is in you and I will raise you up on the last day. That is his promise to those who are united to him in Holy Communion, the reception of his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so as Catholics, we center our lives within the church, upon the scriptures, and upon the Eucharist, and that our life is lived from these realities, which is to live from Christ himself with a firm belief in the resurrection and a firm faith in Christ who is present to us in the blessed sacrament, and that we live in faith these realities and that upon these realities stands the promise of our resurrection. Amen.